today. The world is crumbling all around us. In the United States, well, let me just tell you, we are not sending our best. Also, the Senate votes to repeal mask mandates on public transportation. We've got all of that and more, and it all starts right now. Welcome to the News and Why It Matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez, and we have a full table today, which is always a treat. We are joined by Stu Bergier, host of Stu Does America, which you can find not only on Blaze TV, not only on YouTube, which you should be subscribed to, but also wherever you get your audio podcasts. That was a fantastic plug. Thank you. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can pay me later. Okay. Uh, we are also joined by his first time on the show, Chris Bedford, who is the founding partner of Right Forge and senior editor of The Federalist. We're glad you're here, Chris. Thanks for having me. It's uh, great to be in a free state. Yeah, yeah. It's always nice when we have people coming from places like the swamp, you know, D.C., New York, California. They come here and they're like, Wow, it really is like a completely different world here. It's amazing. It's completely free. It's it's and there's good Tex-Mex, which we do not have in DC. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get your fill while you're here. Uh, also joined by Eric July, Blaze TV contributor and uh, host of For Canon's Sake, which you should also be subscribed to on mm. YouTube. Um, so let me get into the top stories of the day here. Obviously, everyone is talking about the Ukrainian president uh, Zelensky addressed members of Congress today. Um, I don't think there were any real shockers as to what he had to say. Uh, he restated his desire for a no-fly zone over his nation. Uh, we will get into that. I want to get your thoughts on that, gentlemen. He said uh, the United States needs to do more, needs to step up, and uh, called out Joe Biden to be the leader of peace. Here's a short clip of Zelensky addressing Congress. Today, the Ukrainian people are defending not only Ukraine. We are fighting for the values of Europe and the world, sacrificing our lives in the name of the future. That's why today, the American people are helping not just Ukraine, but Europe and the world to keep the planet alive, to keep justice in history. I am addressing the President Biden. You are the leader of the nation, of your great nation. I wish you to be the leader of the world being the leader of the world means to be the leader of peace. Uh, so the White House has already, since that speech, reported plans to release an additional $800 million, uh, in military funding following the speech. And this is, of course, in addition to the $200 million that they had already announced just Saturday um, for Ukraine to help them with many various uh, military weapons, equipment, operations. Um, so I, I want to get into how our leaders are handling this. But, uh, gentlemen, I want to get your thoughts first on uh, what Zelensky called for, you know, asking for a no-fly zone um, and what your thoughts are on that, Stu. Uh, well, I really, um, you, you look at everything that's going on there, it's really, really bad, and I can understand. There's, he's in a moment of desperation, right? right? He's looking for help from anybody he can try to find uh, that will assist him in any way possible. I understand why, if I was the president of Ukraine, I'd be asking America yeah. to give me $800 million, too, to try to get as many weapons as possible to fight off the Russians. I, I can see why he would be doing that. Of course, our interest here has to be what is best for our country. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and look, there is some real benefit of having a buffer 
state between Russia and NATO. Yeah. Like I, there's a, you know, if we're going to be in NATO, uh, I think there's, there's, good, there's a good thing uh, there, uh, having a nation uh, that separates uh, those two. I don't trust Vladimir Putin at all and uh, don't think he's a good guy. Uh, but on the other hand, you have to sit back and say, we have to look at this from our perspective and what is right for our country. Um, and getting into a war with Russia is not only bad for us, but bad for literally every single living creature on the earth. Uh, this is not this would not lead to good outcomes. So while I can understand that he would ask us for help, we have to make sure that we do not step into the realm of direct assistance. We can help, um, you know, in the background and we want them to be able to defend themselves, I think. But on the other hand, us creating a no-fly zone over his country is a complete non-starter. It is literally signing a contract to start World War III, and I don't want any part of that. That's the big lie of his speech, as he called it humanitarian. Uh, no-fly zone, just like as, as if we're sending just food aid. Right. Uh, and I think a lot of the American people think that, too, because they're not being informed any differently by, by corporate media or by a lot of our politicians. A no-fly zone to them just means, well, can't we stop death somewhere? It's like a donation to Mother Teresa. It's not what that is. Just like you said, combat gets extremely real extremely quickly. We have this, I think a lot of folks have this kind of Star Wars idea of what air combat is somehow different from a land war. But the how quick that moves, how dangerous that could be if a MiG was shot down, then suddenly we're in a shooting war with Russia. And you keep on hearing a lot of the neocons who are having a resurgence right now saying, don't worry, no troops on the ground, we don't want a war, we just want to help. But we could do a no-fly zone. Well, no-fly zone is basically just putting your arm in the door and say, slam it, and it's going to start a war. And I think, that's, I think that's the mission of a lot of folks, whether it's Lindsey Graham on the right or, or even some people in Joe Biden's White House. Yeah, totally agree, Eric. Well, I think that's probably the inevitability, and not to be like the black pill, certainly at the table, is that that's what they want, because you implement some sort of no-fly zone, and then much to what it is you say, they shoot down something that is supposed to be associated with the American uh, uh, military, and then bam, you have now justified uh, getting in some sort of conflict with uh, with Russia. And I think that's that's certainly what they want and why the the eye patch folk of the world are certainly wanting to gear us into being in a war um, with with Russia. But just what Stu's saying, I think that's the reality that so many people want to completely ignore. Everybody's a humanitarian uh, at their, uh, uh, you know, chair, I guess, sitting in there I'm sure. in the comfort <laughs> yeah, of, of yeah. their of their own of their own home. But. What this really amounts to is that do you really want to get in some sort of conflict where they are going to inevitably send your uh, your, your children, your, your, your husbands or, or whatever to a conflict that, again, didn't have much to do with them? Now, yeah, we could sit up here and go all the way back to be it 2014 or uh, the the efforts that, you know, America did or rather NATO even to kind of exacerbate this whole situation. I, I completely and totally understand until also what Stu said regarding uh, uh, Zelensky being as desperate as he is, I can certainly see where right. he's saying, help me, uh, certainly help me. I do think it is rather interesting that you do seem to get a consensus among definitely the people of Europe that will have absolutely no problem demonizing America's efforts in, in, in playing world police. But then when it all hits the fan, I've said this before, it always happens this way. It hits the fan. They're like, America, come come help us. We've demonized you as, as, as all these people. Come, come help us. It's your job now. And, and, and that's how it always seems to work out. But that's I think two things can be true, and the American people need to certainly understand that. It can absolutely suck for the U Ukrainians. I can totally understand where Zelensky is coming from. He showed all these videos and what have you, really uh, tugging on the heartstrings there. But in the same respects, 
looking at it from a long-term perspective, is this something that the United States uh, American people rather want to get involved we in? We almost got in a war in Syria because the first lady saw the sad pictures. Mm -hmm. I mean, that can't be, or not the first lady, uh, his daughter, uh, that can't be America's foreign policy. War is awful. We have the ability now because of technology to see just how horrible it is. Another reason why you want to avoid World War III and have that kind of thing <laughs> spread. But um, the just interest in the United States can't be, like you said, decided by what heartstrings are pulled on. It needs to be in the interests and also just. Yeah. yeah. And I think, too, like, you know, people hear no-fly zone, and we've heard that term quite a bit over the years. And frankly, in the past, many instances of this have been sort of easy, right? It's over a country that doesn't really have an air force or an air defense that we're not really, we're just patrolling and none of our planes get shot down. That's not the situation here. Mm -hmm. If we're here and Russia decides to fly some jets in there, we're taking out Russian jets. That's automatic war. And even if you go back and you talked about, you know, sort of the um, the hawkish sort of view of this, even if you think there is a strong case for the hawkish view, let's say Ronald Reagan is president of the United States and we're sitting here trying to deter the Soviet Union slash Russia. There's a back and forth there that if perfectly managed, maybe there's an argument for some of these things with these people. In charge with Kamala Harris, with with Joe <laughs> Biden making these decisions, even if you ideologically believe it's the right thing to do to get us more involved militarily, think about who you're putting in charge of these decisions. It's insanity. So, so you bring that up. I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we are not sending our best, which is what you're <laughs> yes. alluding to here. I just want to give a couple examples of that. Uh, you mentioned Joe Biden. We do have a clip of him. We do have a, a tweet from Kamala Harris that I think she has since deleted, but I first want to get to good old Nancy Pelosi, <laughs> who I think was on the sauce a little too early whenever she gave this press conference. She was speaking about uh, whether or not to impose a no-fly zone over Ukraine, and it's just a total, totally butchered <laughs> her entire response. I have no idea if she even knows where she is. Uh, here's Nancy Pelosi. He was less on the, on the ask for the... Um, that policy more on let us do it, help us get the planes. But also, there is a school of thought that thinks the anti-aircraft missiles and the rest are a very <laughs> important way. Myself, when I see that, that those tanks, that 40 miles of tanks, mm -hmm. I'd like to take out those tanks. I mean, I, I think that air, uh, them having more planes might be useful, but that I'm not a, a military strategist. No. Mm. We hope that we will be able to get up to a place, I hope, you asked me how, I've, I hope that we can get to a place where the uh, MiGs, which are the kinds of planes they've been trained on, hmm? can go to Ukraine. <laughs> what was that word? The F-16s, especially if we have an excess of them, uh, can backfill. For well, Sue, you're mm -hmm. making fun of her, but you try to speak while your teeth are falling out. Mm, it's difficult. It gets that's very hard true. to do. And she does bring up a good point, which is vodka looks like water, but isn't. <laughs> uh, so you gotta be careful. You gotta be careful uh, at times. Uh, uh, so let me, let yeah. me. I want you to. I want to hear your thoughts on this, but let me just, just to play. Let's just look at all of the examples at once, and then I, I want to get your general consensus, are we screwed? I guess is my question, I don't know. Uh, Kamala Harris, this was Saturday, okay? She, honest mistake, she seems to make a lot of them, but okay, let's give her the benefit of the doubt. Kamala Harris talking about uh, the NATO alliance and seems to allude to Ukraine being a part of NATO, which is not correct. Here, here's Kamala on Saturday, watch. 
So I will say what I know we all say, and I will say over and over again. The United States stands firmly with the Ukrainian people in defense of the NATO alliance. Everyone's clapping. Yay! Yay, That's not not true. Okay, so then, I mean, you would think, correct, let's correct her. Her people correct her. She knows it won't happen again. And then uh, there is a tweet that comes from her account. I believe this was from yesterday that reads, when I was in Poland, I met with U.S. and Polish service members, thanking them for standing with our NATO allies for freedom, peace and security. The United States stands firmly with the Ukrainian people in defense of the NATO alliance. So it hasn't quite sunken in there. And then just for good measure, let's listen to uh, Joe Biden, who has no idea who he is, whether or not he's the president, uh, who in his circle has even contracted COVID. Watch. There's been a little change in the arrangement of who's on the stage because of the first lady's husband uh, contracting COVID. But uh, look at this room and what you see. Uh Uh-oh. Pardon? That's you, Joe. That's you. That's right. She's fine. Okay. It's me. We know it's you. The second lady, the first gentleman. How about that? I don't understand how, I guess maybe this is awkward laughing that's going on in the audience because you can't be watching that like, that Joe's such a jokester. That is so funny that he accidentally said the first lady's husband contracted COVID because that would be him. And he's on stage. No, what he meant, of course, was uh, Doug Emhoff, uh, Vice President Kamala Harris's husband, had contracted COVID, had tested positive for COVID. But uh, I, guys, I, these are the people who are in charge of potentially World War III. Um, is there any, are there any silver linings? Are there any, like, are we just all gonna die? Like, I mean, everyone can relate to all of those clips. Cause like with Kamala Harris, the best description I've heard of her is the kid who hasn't read the book, having to give the book report in front of the class, mm-hmm. who has no idea what he's talking about, just kind of yeah. going on and on. And what strikes me about the NATO thing is, okay, maybe the vice president wasn't exactly briefed on which countries were in NATO, which you'd think was important before she went over there. <laughs> you would think. But yeah. even, if she had, even if she'd made that mistake, does she know what NATO is? Because if Russia had invaded NATO three weeks ago, then we'd be at full-fledged war right, right now. It'd be a completely different situation. And, of course, we all, we all have relatives who, who we've seen go through the struggles of time, and they start to slow down. Mm-hmm. Nancy Pelosi's 81. Joe Biden's 79. Anthony Fauci, also running the country. 81 years old. We know that even those people we love really do start to slow down at those points. They're not making sense. And when you when we look back at you know the Soviet Union before Russia, Americans used to say, "How do they have leaders who are so old? Who are these fossils from the Politburo running this country?" Every one of our leaders right now, Chuck Schumer, every one of them is older than Brezhnev. I mean, these guys are ancient. We are now the countries run by the fossils. And I can see why CNN and those companies want to go and and, and cheer for Zelensky, because here's a young, brave leader who's out there with a gun fighting for his country. And you turn around, it's it's much easier for them than offending Joe Biden. Yeah, that's a great point. And I mean, you know, to your point about having that aging relative, it's like, well, when you have the grandpa, you can take his keys away. When it's the president of your country, what do you do? This is a real problem we have in our country, and we should try to address it. Should uh, we? You know, if you remember back in, uh, in, what was it, 96, Bob Dole ran for president. And the joke on Saturday Night Live every week was how old he was, and he was way too old. He, when he ran in 1996, was younger than Everybody in our leadership, including wow. McConnell, Pelosi, um, uh, Biden, and even Trump. 
Yeah. I mean, like we just are at that point, and I don't know, it's such a strange thing because it seems like this culture worships youth so much. But then when it comes to our leadership, we have all people who were born in 1847. <laughs> and it's like, it doesn't make any sense. And, you know, look, if you have great ideas, there are roles for people um, uh, who have great ideas. And, and there's certainly a, a, an acquired amount of institutional knowledge that it can help you in these roles. But I do think, at least in this current administration, We've sort of, uh, we've dropped the plot on this one, I think, a little bit. Yeah, last word, Eric. Well, I guess that, to that point, I think is why these guys can rationalize with every bonehead decision it is that they make. Because they are not going to be the ones that actually seize the ramifications, Mm -hmm. certainly from an economic standpoint. I talk about these with these, I love to use the term fossils because that's exactly (laughs) what it is that they are. But certainly from their spending efforts, uh, certainly in the uh, combination with the Treasury and and the Federal Reserve, those that stuff is impact when they sell off assets of your children's children's children, they're good. Like they're on their way out of here anyway. You know what I mean? This is stuff that your offspring is going to have to feel the brunt of when it actually actually catches up. So what incentive do they have to do right by the the youth or the American people when, again, they're not going to have to see all of this come into fruition anyway? It's a really scary thing, but I think it goes back to looking at it from an economic standpoint of of incentives and actually where they're at uh, regarding their age. Yeah. Uh, All right. We've got more coming up. But uh, first, we want to thank our sponsor, Relief Band. So if you have experienced nausea, anxiety, you know, maybe it's just from listening to uh, the news every day and you're stressed out, Uh, you know, whatever the case may be, maybe... You went out on Friday night, you partied a little too hard, and now you're feeling the effects of that the very next morning. Uh, Whatever the case may be. Really? No, yeah, it's never occurred, so I wouldn't understand this product. Why wasn't... Mm -hmm. I mean, I wasn't singling you out. Oh, it's okay. weird that you it just, just seemed like it seemed like you, you were accusing that. me, and I just want to <laughs> just want to make it clear. Um, the, so, Relief Band is the number one FDA cleared anti-nausea wristband. It's been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraines morning sickness, chemotherapy, so much more. Uh, It stimulates actually a nerve in the wrist that travels to the part of the brain that controls nausea, and then it blocks the signal your brain is sending to your stomach telling you that you are sick. It's really, really cool. Um, So my older son has uh, food sensitivities, and he ate something. It didn't agree with him. He was feeling very, very, very bad. Um, We put this on him, and he felt much better right away, and also he thought that it was super cool uh, <laughs> because you get to wear the wristband, and it's got like this, it, it's it's very, you like, you feel the tingle, and that's how you know that it's working, and he felt so much better afterwards. I was able to send him to school. Um, so this really works. It's worked for our family. It can work for you. Right now, they've got an exclusive offer just for my audience. If you go to reliefband.com, use promo code Y, you'll get 20% off plus free shipping. There is, by the way, a 30-day uh, no-questions-asked money-back guarantee, so you've got nothing to lose. That is reliefband, R-E-L-I-E-F, band.com. Use my promo code Y for 20% off plus free shipping. The United States Senate passed a resolution yesterday to end mask mandates for public transportation. This was, of course, headed up by uh, Senator Rand Paul And this was a 57-40 vote. It obviously garnered some bipartisan support. Uh, There were eight Democrats that voted in favor of the resolution. Um, But as you would expect, Republican, well, they say Republican in the article. I actually wouldn't give him that title. Utah Senator Mitt Romney uh, was the only 
registered Republican to vote against the resolution. And so um, that has happened in the Senate. Meanwhile, speaking of Mitt Romney, I just want to throw this story in there as well. Mitt Romney, as he voted against that, he also uh, joined his Democratic colleagues on the Health, Labor, Education and Pensions Committee to approve the rule that keeps in place a mask mandate for toddlers involved in the Head Start uh, program. So um, this is this like they had this rule universal masking for everyone. This was for children as young as two years old and up. And because it was a federal program, uh, they are controlling whether or not uh, that mask mandate remains. And in that committee, uh, Mitt Romney, only Republican to vote with the Democrats to continue uh, masking toddlers because the kids are not, they're not traumatized enough. We need to traumatize them more. Mm. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. That's a really They haven't idea. been through <laughs> enough the last two years. We need to traumatize them more all for something that uh, they they're not like prone to any sort of negative consequences. Two right, two-year-olds. This is the, one of the first things we learned about this disease was that it doesn't really seem to have an impact on children. Yeah. And our society has been penalizing children over and over again. Now these kids are in the Head Start program. Mm -hmm. These are kids who are already down in their luck. They already don't have uh, everything going for them. Right. And this is a place where you get to go to, to benefit and get, and get positive development, to get read to, to learn. To, and how can you learn if you can't see people's faces? You know how terrifying it is for a two or three year old to be surrounded where they can't even see people's faces? They've been with their parents their whole lives. Now they're in a federal program, can't see anyone. Uh, just talking to a six year old in my neighborhood the other day, he said, I don't even know when people want to play because they can't see each other. He, oh he can't God, tell what people are teaching. And D Washington, D.C. just today got rid of the mask mandates. Yesterday wouldn't, wouldn't allow it on children. And even when the parents say, I don't want my kid to be put in that mask anymore, they tell them out in the playground, you have to do it. They push them. They push them. Mm -hmm. Peer pressure in children. I think this, these last two years have really exposed a lot of different parts of our society that we thought were on our side. Hospital administrators, teachers. And it turns out that they're not. They're taking care of themselves and at this point just abusing kids. See Mitt Romney out there supporting that and claiming it's the science. It's just awful. Yeah, it, it's really, really maddening when you look at the science. Uh, as Chris pointed out, you look at the science, you know that this is not affecting two-year-olds, uh, and to have them continuing this universal masking rule is just, it's really sad. Uh, um, by the way, to your point, Chris, they're also quietly changing the CDC uh, developmental guidelines. You know, they're like, oh, no, no, kids that young shouldn't actually be saying uh, this many words. They, you got to wait until they're, they're 30 months, <laughs> not the 24. Wait another half a year, but don't worry. There's nothing to see here. It certainly couldn't be because we're masking all of their caregivers and teachers and they can't uh, learn to formulate words. I mean, like, like, all of these are quietly going on behind the scenes, and they're completely fine with it. I mean, this is an immense tragedy, honestly, what has happened over the past couple of years. Um, and it's been a two-tiered tragedy, where uh, a tier like us here in Texas mm -hmm. um, live an entirely different life, and their kids live an entirely different life than in other states. I mean, look, we had a period there where um, things were locked down here for a short period of time. But I mean, I can tell you, it's not only just that, it's public and private schools where people were able to bring their kids back to private schools and not have these uh, issues. Um, it, it's completely unfair and as usual, victimizes uh, the, the less uh, fortunate among us. I mean, it really doesn't make any sense. And at no point did it make any sense to do these things. I mean, and, and I, 
I think we can look at what you discussed here with Romney and look at this and say, okay, this is really bad. And it is. There's no excuse for it. And I'm not going to demean it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with pointing out all the negatives. Like, I mean, I did a show last night on the Kyrie Irving situation where here's a guy who is able to attend a basketball game with <laughs> 40,000 or 30,000 uh, fat guys drinking beer in the crowd, but can't be on the, oh, on the court team, with yeah. 10 people spread out that are all in peak physical condition. <laughs> it's really important to point out the idiocy of these moments. But we should also, I think, here take a little bit of positivity out of the fact that six months ago, eight months ago, a year ago, you would not have eight Democratic senators come on board for something like this. This is we are changing. I think it may just be politics. And I'm fine with it being politics. I don't care what it is to make sure these things are are turned the right direction. We have to make sure we go back and hold all of them accountable for all the things that they advocated for, including masking kids and all these other things. But let's we should at least take a, a, a split second to celebrate that this our side is one on this. Right. We've been telling we're talking about these things since the beginning. And over time, it's taken a long time. It's been an arduous journey. But at least people are waking up not only on our side of the aisle, but they on the other on the other one as well. Yeah. Eric. Yeah. We'll see how long that happens. I mean, me, <laughs> Mitt Romney being. You're so positive. Well, I, know, I, I try to bring I, up no, the room that's what a I little love bit, about yeah, you. Which, I, which <laughs> I get, you know, I, I don't believe it or not. I don't say these things as like a black bill for anybody. I'm just looking at it in terms of how this played out. And sometimes, yes, I do have to remember that not everybody lives in Texas or Florida. So where we've been going about our lives for the most part, back to relatively uh, normal, depending on where you're at. People like people, Chris have been right, going, you have people going that are, that are in D.C., you have people that are in New York, you have people that are in California who have been doing this foolishness, and they actually still think we're the crazy ones that we've gone about certainly our lives and the fact that that has impacted people's children has been one of the more criminal things um, about that. I'm not surprised with Mitt Romney. I've been calling him a snake since the Republican Party put him up there. And it's, it's funny how things just always come back full circle. <laughs> this is a bill that a poll is introducing and the Republican Party had a chance to have a poll that actually valued liberty, which was his father. And now the guy that is not supporting liberty is the guy, Mitt Romney, who so many people said he was suave. He was the guy that we were supposed to uh, put in office. And you see how that certainly backfired because he didn't even win. And then you wanted John McCain as well. But that's neither here nor there. All I'm saying is Eric, Eric's not so bitter about it. Yeah, I'm not at all bitter about you guys having two chances to have Ron Paul as as your uh, nominee, you just botched it. No, I'm not at all sour at that at all. But seriously, I don't know how long this is going to last, but I love what it is you say, because while we can accept that we're moving in the right direction, what I don't want people to lose sight of is at the end of the day, these people still advocated these freaking policies and they need to go down. They need to be paid for the uh, the uh, basically suffering the consequences of their action because it was never scientific. It never made any sort of sense. They were just advocating this, and maybe it was entirely uh, political. They drew the ideological lines. We're punishing our political enemies uh, by advocating for these nonsensical policies. But these guys need to go down. The fact that I think this is what I hope doesn't happen. We get on the other side of this, and it's like it never happened. It's oh, like yeah. it never yeah, happened. That would be yeah, the worst thing, man. They're definitely trying. That to they're trying to. They're yeah. memory holding it. And mm -hmm. like you said, two-tier system. It's always been a two-tier system, even when it was locked down. I remember mm -hmm. hearing teachers saying, how can we go back to work? 
I looked out my window in the first week of COVID and people were afraid the garbage men are outside, the policemen are on duty, the fire department was there, the ambulance, the grocery stores, yeah. everyone else figured out how to go back to work. Blue collar people yep. never, ever stopped because they couldn't. Right. Yeah. They couldn't stop. It was the white collar folks that tried to shut this whole place down. And that's just another breakdown in our society we've had over the last two years. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, all right. We've got more to come. Hopefully we'll, I don't know, we'll, we'll be more positive. I will. I'll, <laughs> I'll, just, I'll make Eric. I'll try. I'll make him do it. Uh, first, we want to thank our sponsor, Home Title Lock. So hackers obviously capitalize on uncertainty and uh, the Ru Russia's invasion is the type of chaos that can put American homeowners at risk of being hacked. Uh, you could have like robocall scams, texts for fake donations, emails with very unfamiliar attachments that you're like, I don't know what this is, should I open it? We know all of these scams, but there's actually a bigger scam than that that it's really, really hard to detect and even harder to stop. It could cost you your home. Those of you who don't know about it, consider yourselves lucky, but let me just make sure that you get this warning. It is called home title fraud. It happens when a hacker finds the title to your home online. They can forge your signature and then they can remove you from your home's title, at which point they can take out loans on your home, leave you in a ton of debt. So all of that equity that you have been building up in your home could be gone in an instant. By the way, uh, oftentimes you won't know that you've been hacked until it's too late. You can go to your county recorder's office and check to make sure your home is still in your name. You're not going to do that, though. You need to go to HomeTitleLock.com. If you enter your address, you can see if you are already a victim. Uh, look, enter your address. See if you're already a victim. If you are, Home Title Lock can manage the crisis with you. You just got to go there. It is HomeTitleLock.com. Go check it out. HomeTitleLock.com. Tennessee uh, Republican lawmakers introduced a new abortion restriction law on Tuesday. Uh, this is modeled after recent legislation here in Texas uh, that would ban most abortion. Now, Tennessee already had some of the mo uh, some of the strongest pro-life laws in the nation. This would obviously further limit abortions, allowing private citizens the ability to file lawsuits against those who perform an abortion. Uh, this is Senate Bill 1309, known as the Fetal Heartbeat Preborn Child Protection Act. It passed uh, in a 51 to 14 vote, and it has been sent to Governor Brad Little's desk to sign. Um, it is interesting, because they're doing this at a time where the Texas law seems to be holding up. Uh, I mean, it just did, It just went to the Texas Supreme Court, and um, I I don't know what's going to happen in the Supreme Court uh, with the abortion case that uh, that they're that they are still debating on. But you know what? We just talked yesterday about West Virginia, and was it is it West Virginia that just banned their, that they are trying to ban uh, Down syndrome abortions? So you have to come up with another reason. It has to. It cannot be the primary reason that the mother decides to terminate the baby uh, due to some sort of genetic defect. And you know. There are a lot of pro-life advocates out there, fiercely pro-life, like I would imagine most of us sitting here right now, and they go, well, that's not good enough because you're still allowing the woman to choose to have an abortion. They can just make up another reason. And I agree with you, but the problem is that the left has been chipping away at this for a very, very long time. It has been a very slow and methodical uh, routine that they have done, 
and we are going to lose all of it, all of the ground that we are gaining if we don't do it the same way and slowly chip away and bring back uh, some of this pro-life uh, legislation. It, I just, I worry that people get too caught up in the minutia of like, it's not good enough. We want more, 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 more. Um, I just feel like we have to start somewhere. Yeah, look, I mean, I'd like uh, income taxes to be zero. Right. They're not, I'll take a cut. Right. I'm happy right. with that. Um, I mean, you do have to, progressivism uh, can work both ways. Yeah. And progressivism isn't just moving things to the left. It's, it's, it's also sort of a tactic. And sometimes you can, you can take what you can get. Um, I do. I th think you have to do that. I mean, I'm not in love with the structure of the mm -hmm. of the uh, the Texas law. Um, I like the result of the Texas law quite yeah, a bit. It's like what 60 percent reduction yeah. in abortions. Yeah. Um, now we don't. It's hard to know. I mean, I've also seen reports of a lot of people traveling across state lines, which I think is going to be an issue, even if Roe mm -hmm. versus Wade winds up being overturned. I mean, when you know these organizations are spending billions of dollars to promote this stuff, they will be happy to find flights for women who really want to get abortions mm -hmm. and go across lines. And you know, look, I. I I hope that happens, and that knocks out a lot of the uncertainty around these laws. If Roe versus Wade gets overturned, states can just do this, and that's, of course, uh, part of the way that this should be. But long term, it really needs to be something where we're changing people's minds. You know, big issues have changed. We we've seen it with with you know slavery to uh, interracial marriage to all sorts of issues where we've gone. We look back in horror at what the country put up with. I think the same thing's going to happen with abortion eventually. We're on that road. I do think eventually it's going to occur, but it's not going to occur just by legal action. It also has to occur by appealing to people and, and, and you know, having this wild, crazy idea that babies should live. It's so It's a wild one. And Very I don't know, maybe at some point people will come along to that view. Yeah. Chris. I, I love that this is how, how local this is finally getting because so much of our conversation all the darn time is based on national politics. And as we just saw with this masking fight, the, the national GOP ain't here to save you. They're not going to help you. They can't, they're not going to do anything. And, and talking to people now who are, whether it's San Francisco with the school boards or Loudoun County or Tennessee or Texas saying, we're going to take this into our own hands. We're going to try and lower the abortion rate. And then if the Supreme Court decision passed, we might actually see that long, long-awaited return to local politics in the American way, because you're going to care who your delegate is, your state senator is. You're going to, these people are going to decide if you're a state that sacrifices their children for convenience or a state that doesn't. Yeah. Uh, this might be a step towards reinvigorating the country. And on a positive note, when we do have all these fossils here in Washington, D.C., <laughs> who are just running things into the ground, the governors are standing up in a lot of different places and, and local politicians saying they're being the leaders, they're being strong, and it's hopefully a reinvigoration that will last longer than just if the Republicans win the White House or there's a red wave that does nothing uh, in D.C. <laughs> I would like to see the state politics keep going. Yeah, you just you just were totally speaking, Eric. Like yeah, I mean, I've been talking about abolishing the freaking federal government for I don't know how <laughs> You know, so decentralization is certainly up my alley, and this may be the subject matter where that is. So, yeah, you may get uh, less victories in, like, these uber-blue areas, but you may get more. The fact that there's not one body living in a swamp making decisions on behalf of 300-something million people, is that's preferable to not have it be that sort of setup. And if it is abortion, that is the subject matter that has people thinking more about, okay, imp what impacts their life? It's more closer to home. It's not those idiots that are thousands upon thousands of miles. They, hell, they shouldn't even have a say. I get pissed off every day, the fact that there's people <laughs> in California that get to decide, uh, or at least have a say, rather, in how 
Texas is run mm-hmm. in some capacity sure. considering the federal government. That makes me very angry. But <laughs> seriously... You don't have a lot of, uh, in common with the people in California, you don't think? I don't think at all, uh, to be completely <laughs> honest. Uh, not, not, not at all. But I love what Stu said about what he's really speaking to is like this is a cultural kind of thing. And if we're going to impact the lives... And that's going to be sustainable. And I'm a, I am a, what people would deem as a pro-life libertarian in this sense. But it does start with culture and it does start with influencing people outside of just mere legislation to get people to adopt these ideas and live these live out these ideas where they actually value, let's say, young people's uh, uh, lives, not just paying it lip service. This is what gets me about the left when it's like, oh, it's always comes back to the kids. Everything does like what about the children? Everything <laughs> comes back. But then they have no problems in terminating uh, people's <laughs> children and advocating that that yeah. certainly happens. But this is a cultural battle. And it's cool to see that that shift on this. And I, I don't think that I've seen a shift like completely where it's just swinging the other way. But you have people that would, let's say, be on the other side of the aisle that are more more considerate of what this actually is, like what you're actually doing, not limiting it to, well, this is about women's bodies or something uh, silly like that, which is seems to be really the only leading topic that they that they kind of lead with is that, well, if you are against this, you're against women having some sort of agency or something. It's like, no, that's not the case here at all. So the fact that people are thinking more critically about the issue in itself is how you get a victory that's going to be sustainable and actually going to stick as opposed to just, you know, forcing people one way or another. And Donald Trump kind of blew the lid off that, which surprised me greatly in the Las Vegas debate with Hillary Clinton when he went out there and it with the fire of a recent convert, someone who probably had never, like a lot of people in this country, never really thought, yeah. what is abortion? Yeah. Yeah. Women's choice is to kind of deal with the sanitized versions that we deal with, the fetus. Someone showed him some pictures. Someone got in his ear and said, this is what it is. And he went out there against Clinton said, and asked the audience, do you know what this is? Yeah. They're reaching in and killing babies. Mm-hmm. And, and she had no answer for it. And we've seen a lot of politicians who've stood for this over the years. But to see that said so forcefully, even more forcefully than I've seen Senator Santorum say in the mm-hmm. past, uh, really blew my mind. And I think confronting it head on has changed minds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, all right, we've got to take a break. We'll be back. I also think, I mean, there are a few... Uh, Republicans who have good messaging on it, but isn't it mostly just... I'm sure you guys will be very shocked to hear this. Leah Thomas, who is a biological male who identifies as a female, we've talked about him on the show previously, uh, is favored to win a pair of women's swimming events at the NCAA championships this week. I'm sure it has nothing to do with the fact that he's a dude. Uh, But this is the University of of Pennsylvania athlete. Um, Again, we've covered him before on the show, but he set several records at the Ivy League championships last month. Uh, This was the 100, the 200, and the 500-yard freestyle women's events, and uh, he finished seven seconds ahead of the second-place swimmer, who actually was a a female, uh, in the 500 freestyle. This is, of course, the NCAA updated their transgender policy in January, and they were like, well, actually, now we're just going to defer to guidance in each sports governing body, Um, but it didn't take effect until after he had already qualified for this particular event. Uh, I know there was, maybe you guys saw, Matt Walsh was just uh, doing a a speech about this, and there were more protesters than I was comfortable with at his speech. 
Like there was a pretty solid crowd of people chanting, you know, trans rights or human rights and all of this ridiculous garbage. Uh, and I'm just like, have we lost the youth? Because this should not be a controversial thing to say uh, a dude should not be competing in a women's sport. And yet it is. Yeah, I think for the youth, I think that's true. I, I, I think we've lost the youth. Generally it's speaking, I blame TikTok. Yes, first of all, I blame TikTok for everything, so I'm totally <laughs> fine with that. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I think like you know, when you're young, you're young and dumb go right hand in hand. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the, one of the most defining things of youth is your stupidity. Uh, you grow up hopefully out of that. I do think that an issue like Leah Thomas, it's another thing that just smacks you in the face, like the Kyrie Irving thing we mentioned earlier, like the kids with masks. It just, you can't swallow it. It hits you right in the face. Seven seconds in a, in a swim meet is an eternity. It's, it's, it's uncomfortable to watch how far she is ahead of everyone. That's why we gave uh, Leah Thomas the Studis America Woman of the Year Award, because she's just better than other women. And we won. People didn't. I hate you. Oh god! Like I don't know what it is. She's just superior. I can't tell. I can't. Um, just like Rachel Levine just got the exactly. Women of the Year. There you go. Uh-huh. Um, but it's 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 a fascinating thing to watch because I think issues like this. Look, Leah Thomas. I don't. I literally do not care at all about Ivy League swim meets. I don't care about them. Um, I never would know any. I, she's the only swimmer I know. Outside, Michael Phelps, Michael Phelps is no longer right? swimming, so it's just her. Uh, but like the point is that I think it's an important issue because it illustrates to an average person who can just see on its face the absurdity of it. It doesn't need to be explained. You don't need to have a, a nuanced rights-based conversation, which is incredibly important and the foundation of these moments. But this just slaps people in the face and says, hey, wake up. You need to pay a little attention here because if you don't, this sort of craziness will happen. The stuff that not that long ago would be the bit mm-hmm. on Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There were movies made, parody movies, where guys would dress up as girls and go down. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. It really happened. This is really happening in real life, and people need to wake up to it. Yeah, Chris. You know, it's a two-pronged attack, too. One, it's an attack on truth. And what, what do you see right in front of you? Well, that's not the case. That's mm-hmm. not reality. It's an attack on on. Christians, anyone who believes in Genesis, or basically every monotheistic religion that God made man and woman. And, when, and it's also this, this crazy heresy of, of, of compassion that we push all the time in modern society. We should have compassion for falsehood. That's completely insane. You should, you should treat people who are dealing with this mental illness with some compassion. But the idea that we need to change our whole society to get around it, that is it so much skin off your back to use the proper pronouns to make them comfortable, to change your bathrooms, to allow mentally ill men into women's uh, bathrooms apparently as a safe space. That kind of coaching that we've gone through as a society is what led us to this whole COVID thing. Mm -hmm. What's the problem? Put on a mask, socially distance. Can't you not go out? Your child needs to suffer for this. You need to suffer for this. It's this whole uh, idea of we can kick truth out the door, kick liberty out the door, kick everything we know is true out the door in the name of making people feel comfortable. And I'm totally sick of it. Yeah, completely. Eric, you got about 30 seconds. Yeah, it's fine. Social, like, this is what I say. I hope she goes out there and wins every damn thing. Yeah. just so we can talk about it. And I hope she's winning by seven to 10 seconds every single time that she she wins. That's the silver lining uh, of it all because we get to point and say, this is absolutely we insane. Told you. It's, it's it not coincidence. girls, but do, yes, right. I agree. Do you mean to tell me? Women's sports. Yeah. Yeah. Do you need to tell me they're not the same? <laughs> no, uh, wow. we're not. And I say this as a former collegiate athlete. We are not. We are not the wow. same. Wow. All right, we got to take a break. We'll be back. That is the one positive of all yes. this. Maybe women's sports will just go. Oh, revenge yeah. for destroying his offense's <laughs> baseball team. Like, man, destroy all I didn't see. 
of you who have not yet done so, you're probably sick of me saying this, but if you would just go do it, I can stop saying it. Go to wherever you get your audio podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review the news and why it matters. It will help more people be able to find us uh, because, as we know, the algorithm is not kind to conservatives. As an added bonus, if you give us a nice review, you may see it read live on air, like the ones today from, uh, let's see, we've got Turlock Runner, five stars, Daily Dose of Sarah, love listening to Sarah's show, great insight on the world issue. Appreciate it. It is, of course, due to my amazing guests that uh, that are so kind to come on the show. Uh, here's one more from Chrissy L., who says, five stars, love this show. The News and White Matters has become a daily staple. Sarah not only has insightful guests, yes, I do, uh, but she offers really constructive commentary to the day's events. I do watch the show on The Blaze from time to time, but I get so distracted by Sarah's amazing eyeshadow choices that I find myself getting distracted. Keep up the great reporting and keep rocking those bold shadows, Sarah. Chrissy, a California refugee who now lives in Alabama. Well, first of all, Chrissy, congrats on getting out of California. Uh, we commend you for that. Second of all, be, be quiet about my distracting eyeshadows because I may get an email from management asking me to tone it down. <laughs> but for now, we're going to continue it. And by the way, someone asked me to like start sharing my, my lipstick choices. This is American Dream, which you can find at AmericanBeautyBySarah.com. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Really, really. Great. Will you come back? Absolutely. Okay, wonderful. Thanks, you guys, as well. Tomorrow. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.